0: Welcome to Doing Diversity in Writing, the podcast where we, as writers, explore the do's and don'ts of writing inclusively, whether that be in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, class, sexuality, ability, and so on. Why are we here? To bring more depth and breadth to the characters in our fiction and represent them in the best way possible. My name is Bethany Ann Tucker, and with me is my co-host, Marielle S. Smith. Let's get started. Hey, Marielle, how are you doing? This is our last episode of the season and the year.
1: Hey, Bethany, I'm okay. I'm quite excited for this. I mean, I always knew we were gonna do, I mean, I want to say that when we were doing the research for the podcast, we, we came across so many articles saying that so many podcasts, you start and stop right they end don't after even... few seasons yeah they never uh, never actually get to the end of a season i always knew we were going to get to the end of the season because with you on board i'm not allowed to stop ever uh, no. that's sort of like the, I, I don't even i don't think that's in our contract but i still <laughs> It was kind of i knew what i was getting myself into kind of um so yeah i never i never questioned whether we were going to actually do this thing but still it's um We did this thing. We did a whole season and we are already preparing
0: uh, for season two, which we will talk a little bit about later. I think you asked me just so you knew that you wouldn't be allowed to stop. Yes. Yeah. But we talked about this, right? Like you were (laughs) like my perfect accountability Um,
1: because yeah, this, this podcast um, has and has been and is a lot of work. Uh, yes, and and I freak out quite easily about workload because I always think I need more time than I do.
0: Um, Am so, I yeah, that so, partner yeah. for accountability in your writing journal every week? Is it just my name down there in that box in your writing journal? Your fifty-two weeks of oh, writing. No, <laughs> actually,
1: well, yeah, maybe you are, not maybe for, maybe not for the fiction writing. for a lot of the other stuff yeah it's just because you have so
0: such high expectations of me I mean Um, I I put your name down there in that box a lot and then at this point it's like well I can't let Marielle down so you're like your name's like permanently there but I don't write it down every week because I've written it down so many times it's like yeah I can't let Marielle down yeah I
1: I I have the same um I, I I have a bit more anger in me I think towards it like what did I get myself into? That's what I have occasionally, um, but that's just me. And I have that with everything that I do. Like I said, I, I do struggle with uh, time, or the idea of time. Yeah, um, and you know, I get overwhelmed really fast sometimes. Um,
0: so, so yeah, I'm, but I'm I
1: am—I—I—I s- I, I, I am so glad we're doing this, and I—I uh, I think it's absolutely worth a celebration
0: yes episode 12 um i'm just thinking about just how much research and everything we went into and also wondering where you went because you have frozen are you back i am here
1: yes oh i just got a pop-up that my internet connection is unstable that is gonna be fun
0: Will be fine. The internet is going okay. to be fine. So yes, I'm just going to ask yeah. you, real quick, before we get into listener questions, because that's part of what we're doing today's listener questions that came in during the season is like, just for you personally, what's some of the biggest stuff that changed? And you can throw questions at me too, because um, I'm springing this on you like a meanie, but off the top of your head, like as we've prepared these 11 and now 12 episodes, and we're looking at season two, was there any shockers that happened or things that changed? Or do you feel different as a writer, editor, person over this? I mean, it took us 12 months to get here, more than 12 months to get here. Yes.
1: Um, As a writer, oh, that's a really good question. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. Actually, I. I think because I knew. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff that we've done this season. I'm rather expecting as we're gonna dive into particular identi- uh, identity markers, in uh, the following seasons that will come across research that makes me go, Oh no, no, no. I've done this. <laughs> I've written it. Oh, Oh, apparently that's a huge stereotype or well, that's a really bad cliche and they hate it. Oh, I'm really rather expecting that for the next few seasons, because a lot of the stuff we talked about, um, during this season was stuff that I've been teaching. Not all yes. of it, not all of yeah. it. Um, because you you handled some episodes and I handled some other episodes, so it was not um, it was not entirely new. There were things that made me go, "Oh, that's a really interesting way of of, of seeing that too," right?
0: Yeah, different perspectives. So yes,
1: yeah, so it kind of sharpened my vision. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather expect the shockers, because for for the next season seasons we are going to delve into the actual uh, stereotypes, cliches, tropes that we want to avoid and better practices. And yeah, I I think I'm going to be surprised there actually, because I think there will be things that make me go. So that's a good practice. (laughs) And that is like, oh, and that we shouldn't do that. Oh, I never knew that. Oh, that's bad. I'm assuming we're going to get some of those.
0: Um. I'm looking forward to it. I would say it's not the research and the content that has changed me or helped me grow. It's that um, it's hearing my voice and doing this in audio has been new for me, especially since I'm the one who listens back to the episodes and checks them (laughs) for quality. I had to get used to hearing myself talking. And I always thought I had a funny sounding voice before. My sister was the singer. So I was like, well, that's my voice and that's how I talk. And I'm just going to have to be okay with that. Yeah, I I
1: do a lot more audio, as you know, and you also visual. Audio.
0: But I do never
1: listen back. So that oh. I, I understand that discomfort very much. Um, yeah. yeah, but you, you know I don't listen back because you tell me that was a good episode. Like I just edited it. It was, it was, it was good. We, we, we did good. And I have the same with my other podcast, uh, diving into writing. It's, it's, it's Lucinda who tells me, but you said something really interesting. The last episode, and I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> that's not that that's not scripted at all. Right. We just, we just hit record and we just talk. So she's like, well, you said something really, really, really. And I'm like, well, you have to like tell me when, like in what minute, so I can look it up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm not comfortable, even though I do a lot more um, audio stuff and 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 like uh, video
0: stuff. I'm not comfortable with my voice. Um... Well, I've gotten very used to hearing your voice, and I enjoy it. So <laughs> yes, well, that, good.
1: That makes at least one, which is good.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really, I'm really glad we're here. I'm really glad that we've reached episode twelve. I'm really excited, looking forward to season two, which we will talk about at the end of this episode, correct? Yes, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. And I'm excited that um, we we have some community feedback to include in this episode. We were always planning for it, and it just yes. feels like a circle that we really want to continue. Everyone who's taken time to answer our questionnaires, thank you. Um, yes, And if you haven't done it yet, those remain important and valuable, and we would love to have you fill them out for next season. Um, They're ongoing and we will continue to take feedback and information from that and work it into this because we really are creating a community resource here. And that means the community needs to be involved in creating it. Yes, because we do not like, this is a conversation it really is it is, yeah. really is a conversation which is why there's two of us doing this to start with um, yes and we've had and so many conversations we will be, um,
1: interviewing start we, yes. we'll start interviewing people for the next season
0: i'm really excited for that i'm really excited
1: for that yeah me too okay so do you wanna so so it's not like we've only just started right so we we it's not like we have tons and tons of questions um but we 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 have two that we have some really really dense really dense questions yes so i think it's it and and i think we're gonna it's gonna be great just to answer those because i think
0: we'll we'll have quite a bit to say on on both of them i think there's plenty and and there's been the incidental questions that people have asked us personally or i know i've had the yeah that's true phone calls and facebook messages and everything which i appreciate everyone who reached out that way as well yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah but these two so um, do you want to dig in yes i was going to say these two are really dense and do you want to like take the first one and introduce it to us Yes, I'm just my internet keeps cutting out. Alrighty. Um, so I will I'm just will gonna edit just put pre- the silence.
1: <laughs> just pretend I'm just now um, you can leave this in if you want. I don't care. We we have we're human and we have our connection troubles. Uh, I'm just gonna quickly reconnect because okay, I was actually struggling it. with this this morning during a meeting and it helped. So let's see. Not sh- yeah, I should be back
0: you are back.
1: Okay. Well, let's hope this is better. I was actually, I had this this morning during a, I had a blurb, a, a blurb uh, session with a client and it was, it kept cutting out until I just reconnected and then we were fine. So excellent. Let's right. dig in to the first one. Do you want to start with this one
0: or how are we going to um, do this? Sure. I'll read the question and then you can take us away. Cause I think you have the first notes here. Yeah, let's do that. So, question one, um, it's not a direct question. It's someone's response to our writing questionnaire. Um, But we're going to bring it up here anyway because the topic is so important and we wanted to include it and take a moment to delve into it. So this writer writes interracial romance, but they say they haven't dug deeper into, for example, um, gender identities, neurodivergence, and characters from other cultures because they don't want to get it wrong and they don't want to offend anyone. Specifically, the issue that they're dealing with is how to make sure that the characters are authentic without the writer themselves having direct knowledge, like personal experience knowledge, of certain identity markers because they uh, they feel that reading and researching can only go so far, which is a
1: really good point.
0: It is a really good point, and I really respect it. So yeah. they're they're looking for what they can do and um, how to bring this authenticity to what they're writing. So what do we have for them? Well, I would
1: start by saying that I definitely agree that reading and researcher, uh, researching, right? It can, it can only go so far. But that said, there really is an awful lot online these days and it's a growing body of work too. I'm just thinking because they mentioned neurodivergence, right? Yes. Um, we are both in a, a Facebook group called Righteous for Diversity. And one of the authors in that group posted a video last week about a panel that she was part of on neurodiversity in science fiction and fantasy. And all the writers on that panel are neurodivergent. So, yes, while I agree that reading and researching can only go so far, it seems to get you further and further these days because it is such... The topic is big. Diversity is a big topic right now. So people are talking about it. People are, if they are not already having the conversation, they are starting the conversation. So it will get easier and easier um, to do the research. Exactly. To get the material that you need. Um, then, of course, the other thing I was thinking about, and this is also a practice that a lot of authors are already doing um, or using, is that there are sensitivity readers out there.
0: Yes, sensitivity. Um, so readers. people you can
1: hire. If you know none of your friends have any direct knowledge around the character that you're writing, um, you could join the group that I just mentioned, Writers for Diversity. We
0: could add a link in the show notes. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, let's do that. It's a closed group, so you'll yes. have to apply to be to enter. Yes,
1: you do. Yes, um, but I feel um, that it's a very safe space. to 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 ask your questions and we do see it we do see we do see people saying so i just wrote this and somebody said this about it and i have trouble understanding why it is problematic and then people in a very nice way just try to explain okay it could be problematic because of this and how like maybe this will be a better practice
0: yeah the the level of the conversation in that group is very high yes very nuanced and very respectful i've seen some of these conversations also happening in writing groups on reddit um it can be hit and miss but some of the groups are really high level and really respectful and moderated as well so we're not writing in a vacuum um you can also come on to our facebook page and post and if we can't point you at a resource we probably know someone who has a resource or knows somebody yeah
1: yeah, that's actually a good one. Yeah, oh, I was thinking the other thing is, um, and this might be a bit scary, um, but you could ask someone from the community. You know, whether you can ask them a few questions about your character and and how you're portraying the character. Because like when I'm thinking about what a writer is, you know, what being a writer is all about. Like, if you don't know something, you talk to an expert, right? So if you write about cops, right, you talk to a cop um if you write about a priest you talk about a priest you just have to make sure that the expert that you're talking to is representative of the character that you're writing because you know there's diversity within diversity like yeah, thinking exactly. of a the thinking of a priest like a friend of mine is a priest but he is not representative <laughs> of all the other priests i know because for example he does not believe he does not believe in hell okay So that is very specific, right? So he's a great resource. If you're writing a priest who doesn't believe in hell or has questions about the existence of hell or tries to problematize that duality, then he's a great resource. But if he's, and he's very young as well, he's my age. And so if you're writing about a different kind of priest, So make sure that your expert is in line with the kind of character you're writing, because it's not not you cannot just pick somebody from a community and be like, so you represent all of the people like we've had this conversation over and over. That's not how it works and the same applies to um, people that you could ask about this and, of course, giving information like this can be seen as emotional labor. So don't be shy about compensating people for their time in whatever way
0: works for you and them. Exactly. I would say um, go back and listen to episodes, I think five, six, seven, Um, all have resources or uh, we talk about diversity within diversity, eight as well. Um, So you can think about how to ask. And then I would also say, Uh, We've mentioned this resource before they're not the only one but they're the one I know the most about is salt and sage has an entire um, entire set I think they have over 20 sensitivity readers. If you're looking to make sure that you're not um, asking for emotional labor without compensation. It's almost like hiring an editor or something you can hire sensitivity readers through them. And it's, it's definitely a transaction and you're asking for someone's expertise on, um, a a group of people or an experience or a background. And if they don't have it, I'm sure they can ask someone again, you can talk to us, you could find us on our Facebook page, you can, um, contact the people in writing for diversity on Facebook, you could go to Reddit, um, the thing is, and even more so than when Marielle and I started researching this or writing ourselves is there's just so many more opportunities to check and to learn. When I started writing, this does not exist. No, no, you had to invent all of it yourself, basically. I was digging through the library and I couldn't even find Asian authors, which is what I was specifically looking for as a I couldn't find Asian authors on Asian history, which was what started me going down, studying diversity and East Asian studies and all that. Because I was like yeah. reading Chinese history. I was like, all of this is written by men in Oxford. Yeah, white men, <laughs> right? Who it's tend so to be the better better writers now. of history, yeah. Yeah. Did I yeah. cut off any of your answer? I don't know because you've, like, uh, my screen froze again. So we'll have to see okay so I'll go into some of mine and then I'll circle back. Um, yeah So I would say like I was just saying all these all these um resources out there beyond like the specific writing resources and specifically searching out a sensitivity reader, you can really mine authenticity by submerging yourself in what the community you're trying to learn about is putting out there to be seen already. So really read, watch, listen to the community themselves. You know, you can find them on Facebook and yeah, you're being a bit of a voyeur, but you're being a voyeur with good intention, or at least I hope you're researching these characters with good intentions. Um, So see what they're saying about themselves. See what they say about their community. Like for neurodivergence, there are so many excellent TikToks out there for all kinds of neurodivergence. Uh, My sister is an amazing resource on like ADHD, because she's been researching that for a reason. And she sends me all these TikToks. I'm like, I never thought of TikTok as being an amazing research for the lived experience of neurodivergence. Yeah. But there are some really smart people who have the neurodivergence that in question themselves, they're talking about it and yeah. talking about it in a really real raw way that would lead to authenticity. If you like go back, you can hit their little screen thing. I just, I, I downloaded TikTok yesterday. I used to just watch it online, but I actually downloaded the app yesterday. Cause I was like, okay, sis, I, I'll i download it. I'll, I'll do it. She <laughs> kind of pushed me, um, but go back. You can hit their little button. You can go back and watch all their old videos and kind of get this like full idea as they build it up 60 seconds at a time. So do that and then see what they're saying, what people in the community you're researching, see what they're saying themselves about media about them.
1: Yes. Yes. And they can too. be
0: depending on the community, they will be very vocal. They're like this Disney movie got it completely wrong. And if you yes. hear that from one person in the community, okay, maybe if you hear it from three to five of them, you know, that's that's more of a consensus. <laughs> one one little thing, though, but small disclaimer, even if it's only
1: one person from a community saying it, because that's how it all starts. It does. If you read it and you agree with the arguments and the arguments are well built up,
0: that it yes. can still be extremely valid. I, I like that caveat. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're just because that's how it all starts, right? There's like one person who says, you know what? Who, who dares to say what a lot of people think? Maybe this is wrong.
0: But and it doesn't actually.
1: Yeah, and then other people start to chime in and be like, you know what? Yeah, I've always thought this was a little, uh, but I didn't want to say anything. You know, <laughs> right? But, uh, and it's hard. Like, it's hard when you're um, systematically, uh, well, yeah, oppressed would be the right word
0: oppressed sidelined eliminated yes race.
1: marginalized um to speak up that is yes. that is that is really hard and i think um it's it's it has become easier because we are so connected these days and there is there are things like social like there are things like tiktok now you're beyond you're ahead of me because i have i have never been on tiktok um so. i blame you're my right. i blame my sister she knows who she is you're also you're a, you're you're a year younger than i am so that <laughs> it's an age difference thing um, Oh really yes <laughs> no but i'm like so so that is definitely something right it's uh, um yeah, yeah it starts it, it, it starts with one person speaking up and then other people go like yeah yeah about that i i, it, I feel the same way
0: yeah it's so much easier to look like your hashtags are your friend if you're searching these things um you can even go on twitch and people can put my my husband's on twitch and he puts different identity markers on his uh his profile so people can search and be like i want to watch black streamers i want to watch polyamorous streamers i want to watch I don't know there's a whole slew of tags now um so you can look and remember a lot of these people are just going to be community groups don't always be like i'm a black streamer so i'm going to be sitting here being black no i'm sitting here playing a game and yelling jokes and if you want to immerse yourself in the community just go ahead and spend time around them you'll realize yeah. most of the time they're just people <laughs> which yes. is my next point which is remember If you ever reach a point where you're writing a character from a community different than you, and you're like, well, what did they would do? What would they do? What are they feeling here? Remember that they are, at their core, human as you. They are not (laughs) an alien. They are not completely different. If if they can't get into a building because they're in a wheelchair, just wonder what it would feel like if someone told you, "You you're not allowed in this building. Just imagine a wall in front of you and everyone else can get through it, but you, and you can't get there. And how would that feel? Just put yourself in your shoes. Because remember, they're human. They want community. You want to go in and get donuts and coffee with all of your fellow co-workers, wouldn't they? Yeah. What would it feel like? And if you just remember how human we all are, in most cases, that's going to carry you very far. Not all the way there, but it's definitely gonna get you started. Yeah. So it's it's about observation as well, right? Observation. And yeah. then... which as, as writers, we should be extremely good at. We should. We should people yeah. watch like crazy. It's our job yeah. to people watch.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like so... go
0: get coffee and sit on a street corner somewhere and tell yourself you are allowed to sit there and do nothing but watch people. It will do amazing things for your writing career yes yeah but Uh, but that's
1: the thing so stop watching at your phone stop watching tiktok (laughs) and start looking around you
0: yeah um i mean i i would balance it if you're looking for one community but if you're like writing about a town go to that town and sit on a street corner and just watch people don't assume you know don't be like well this town is in norfolk england and everyone there's going to be white go if you can and yeah. there's a, a amount of a privilege in this suggestion but if you can go to Norfolk England and sit on a cafe which is a public space you're welcome in order yourself a coffee or a tea or a c- chocolate whatever and um, just watch people and if you're like well yeah. th- I'm not going to have enough diversity in this book I swear if you sit there for three hours you're going to walk away with a lot more ideas of how to do Um, really authentic diversity in a book set in anywhere. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think I had one more point. I'm double checking my notes because I get excited, so I know I have to have notes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this This last one might be a little harder for everyone, but I would say get in touch with yourself notice why you make decisions. Notice where those decisions come from. There's a famous story on the internet about um, a woman and her husband. And the woman always cuts the end off of the piece of meat before she puts it in a tray to cook it. And she just throws the end of the meat, perfectly good meat in the trash. And her husband says, why you do that? And she says, oh, my mom always did it. And so next time he sees his wife's mom, he says, hey, my mother-in-law, why do you always throw the end of this piece of meat off and cut it off and then bake it? She's like, I don't know. My mom always did it. So he goes to his mother-in-law and he asks, why? Why does your daughter and your granddaughter always cut the end off? And the lady goes to his grandmother-in-law. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she starts laughing and she said, when I'm married my husband, you know, 60, 70 years ago, we were so poor. The only pan we had wasn't big enough for the piece of meat we would get from the butcher. So I had to cut it off to get it in the pan. And her daughter and her granddaughter had just kept doing what she did without questioning why. So as writers, if you're trying to write diversity, question why you do things. And then imagine if one of your diverse characters, any of your characters, why they do things. Don't assume they're going to do what you do. Yeah, no.
1: But also don't assume that they do certain things because they belong to a certain community.
0: Exactly. Get curious about yourself to get curious about the world. And I would say also
1: get curious about the differences between you and the people that you would identify with. Yes. And Look closely. So, for example, if you are the person who cuts the end of the meat off, right? The thing is, we we often don't realize our own dif- our own differences amongst our group of friends, our people, uh, our family members, is because nobody questions it. So, start questioning. Like what you said, start questioning. Why you do the things you do? Or first of all, start questioning the things you do and then why. And then look around you or the other people who belong to the same community, how they are doing things and why they do what they are doing. Exactly. Yeah, I love that.
0: Like yeah. my mom yeah, used to that. wear certain types of clothes and she wouldn't ever wear other kinds of clothes. And that's because she was nursing for almost 20 years. When she stopped nursing, she her wardrobe changed because she didn't need to be able to nurse all the time. But I could have just assumed, oh, mom wears those clothes because that's what mom's style is.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's how yeah. But so certain decisions come from come from somewhere, and they could come from really not obvious, like obvious maybe when you hear it, yeah, but not obvious to the eye.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. I really like that. I like that's a really good answer
0: yeah so did we fully answer this question do you think
1: i i don't know if we've answered it fully (laughs) but i hope we gave some pointers for people who are struggling with this
0: me too and if anyone has more questions feel free about this or anything else feel free to write us in we're going to go to question two do you want to introduce this one since i did the last one
1: I will, and I'm also like, I know you're tr- tracking time this one. So do, we didn't agree to assign, but do give me a sign because we have so much more to talk about this episode. Okay, so this uh, uh, the, our second question is by an author. So the first question was by somebody an- anonymous, because if you uh, do a questionnaire you remain anonymous, but the, so, the second question is by an author who identifies as a white male cisgender and heterosexual author. And they so- did allow us to say that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I know, I know the, I know the, I know the individual. So I'm pretty sure we could. I'm, I'm not going to, but I'm pretty sure he would be very comfortable with being named on the podcast. But um, so his question is, how can I write a diverse cast without making it seem seem forced? So he gives a bit of a context. He writes. I'm writing an urban fantasy featuring a found family that's mostly women. My main character is Eastern European, and the other four to five are a supporting cast. They have backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures, and sexual orientations that reflect the diverse reality of people I know, but I also don't want to look like I'm checking the boxes. The reality is that, other than demons, vampires, and astral projection, my characters are based on the people and neighborhoods that I grew up with. I've wanted these characters and cultures to be in my books from the beginning. I'm not forcing it or even trying to add more diversity, but that doesn't mean people won't think that. How could I include a diverse cast without making them seem like token add-ins? I love how he wrote this question out. Yeah, and how he thought about it. And I can see, because um, I, I understand the fear that, you're trying to do the right thing and then people accuse you of like tokenism or like forcing it or, uh, and that is what tokenism is, right? It's like a forced gesture. Yes. Um, and so I get the fear, like part of me wants to say, you know, that's up to them. You can never control how your readers read your story. Right. That's part of
0: that me. is true.
1: Yes. But that said, um, and, and he mentioned it himself, like he calls them token add-ins. like he wants that he wants uh, he doesn't want his characters to be be to come across like that. So I was thinking because we've discussed ways to prevent tokenism during episode seven, that maybe we should just refresh them real quickly.
0: Yeah, let's do a little bit of that. Okay.
1: So um I have a, a small, I made a small list here. So first of all, Uh, What you want to do to prevent like your characters from being token add-ins is make sure that you aren't perpetuating any ongoing stereotypes around these characters, right? Tokens are often reduced to what makes them different from the norm and what we believe makes them different from the norm. That tends to be rooted in the stereotypes that exist around these characters. So investigate what stereotypes exist for the characters you're writing and check your work against that list. That would yes. be like my
0: first point. Um, and I would add in here that yeah. even if there are there are elements of the stereotype in your character, if your character is fully fleshed out and allowed to be mm-hmm, a full mm-hmm. person, that's just going to be an element in their character and you are not writing yeah. a stereotype. No, it's it's a stereotype and that is all they are. Yeah, it's when they're essentialized, they're they're yes. like boiled stock down to just that. <laughs> Yes. So if yeah. you're if you're writing fully fleshed out characters, you're going to avoid a lot of this off the top.
1: Yeah. And we've discussed this, right? Like, yes, you can have um you can have love. Like, uh, I that, just an example. I'm always thinking um because in the Netherlands there is this this idea that black people are always late because they just take things slower, right? They're more relaxed about life, and like the Dutch is super punctual, right? <laughs> that's like a th- that's like a thing, right? So I'll take your w- word
0: for it. I haven't been there yet.
1: Yeah, so my my ex actually used to have a, a professor from the US. It was like uh, uh, doing a year uh, teaching uh, at my university in in Utrecht, and she was she she, she was she's still she's still black, but she was she's black, and she used to say like she was always late. Mm -hmm. And she used to be very, well, you know, I'm black, so they have it. And that (laughs) always felt so, I've always felt like that is so, because like she was perpetuating a stereotype and maybe that's fine, right? Because maybe she used it in, in a way that felt empowering to her. But I was always like, how can she say that? But my point is that this, so it doesn't mean that you cannot have a black character who is late yeah but if that's their only thing if, if that's all what they're known for or if all the other things they are known for in the story are also stereotypical
0: then you have a token
1: yeah then you have or a, have a character
0: fact. depending on yeah. how you're doing it
1: yeah so that is that that's a problem but if 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 one of their things is that they're just late that just happens their white people are always late their black people are always late there are asian people are always late like it, it's it's just yeah
0: it's if just the you- thing yeah. if you have an adhd character and they're always late then you know that's okay being late is something that some people who are adhd have um, yes but
1: and also but, maybe this this black character like has to has to take care of a younger sibling for example so they're always yeah. running around making sure so maybe they have something that makes them late
0: Yes, I love that. Especially if you build it up over the book and people are like, why are they always yeah. late? And then yeah, then you find out. That can be really good storytelling, to be honest. Yes.
1: So you can do something with it. But I, so I, I love that you brought that up. That don't avoid it like the plague, right? But make sure it's not the only thing.
0: When do or, I avoid yeah. things? I feel like I'm that person that's always like, all right, we're gonna go straight in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but. The second one I would say is um,
1: precisely because tokens are often pretty flat as characters. Mm -hmm. Proper research into a character's cultural, historical, and political background will help you create a well-rounded character who has not only a fully fleshed out background, but also has a background that makes sense for them. Exactly. Yeah, that's a
0: research right Uh, reality check your backgrounds and like so i'm talking about
1: proper research here but as this author who wrote us the question says they have experience with these people they grew up around these people so that is research as well right just asking your friends just just conversing with your friends about these things it is so lived experience is also research in a way
0: lived experience is also research and then as i recently experienced because i went back to the city I was born in just last week, um, you can always discover more reasons, especially if you lived something yeah. as a child. If you're now writing it as an adult, it's okay to go back and ask questions about your childhood experiences or your uh, teenage experiences and get even more perspective at it and layer that in. Um, yeah, It it actually adds a depth and a richness or you go back to your aunts and uncles to be like, hey, tell me about it. And people will tell adult you different stories than they told child you <laughs> oh yes
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah,
0: yeah so um... but it's,
1: it's it's true like I, I still keep finding things out about my family so apparently okay. there's like this unspoken thing in families that we don't tell these stories until you're this age and then we don't tell you this story until you're that age and then from one age from certain age onwards I realized some of my uncles and aunts
0: assume that I have by now heard about these things. And sometimes you walk into a conversation in family groups or family get-togethers and you realize everyone knows something you don't. Oh yeah, I hate that feeling. And it can be yeah. a historical narrative like there was a there's historical narratives about I didn't know that my great grandmother was adopted through the Catholic church until like a couple of years ago. And that ties me to a historical narrative that I had been studying. I didn't know that I was studying my own history. I didn't know this was in my own history until like two years ago. And I was like, oh, oh, this feels much more personal now. So you can find the diversity in your own family that your family doesn't talk about
1: yeah I've had like when you say like it took me I I was I expect in in hindsight I'm like why why didn't anybody ever tell me but I didn't learn that my grandfather during uh during the second world war was was captured and taken to Germany to work in 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 a camp um, until I was somewhere like in secondary school and I was doing research after um we had to do a generational thing so I had to do research after my grandmother's life my mother's life and then compare it to my teenage life right that's that's what Mm -hmm. we were doing and then I found all these old pictures and there was this picture of my grandfather and my grandmother was like well the only reason his hair was this black at the time was because he'd been working in the mines wow and I was like why why did he work in a mine well because the, the Germans took him I was like holy that's (laughs) <laughs> and it was and it's also no i wasn't even that's just it just came up and i'm like oh apparently i'm old enough now to hear this story
0: yeah yeah so that's that's one thing that comes up for i think both of us when when people are like well i'm writing this based on you know the people i grew up around as a child dig into it like i didn't yes. know that i'm 10 according to my ddna i'm 10 percent ashkenazi jew i grew up thinking that i was like um Irish, like completely Irish Irish. on my desk. I mean, my my maiden name is Flaherty. Um, so And I I found my grandfather's name in Ellis Island Registry is when he came over in early 1900s and all of that. Um, But evidently someone passed and married into our family around 1920. And we didn't know it until recently. Um, So just dig into it even if you're basing yeah. it on something you grew up around get curious about that because as you find people's stories as you add these details in as you see it it's going to add an authenticity that just ties everything together and eliminates that tokenism you're going to be like yeah. well why was this random person here um yeah. and i just found out that my great grandmother on my mother's side a bunch of people didn't show up for the wedding because Carlos had married into the family like 100 years ago, and she had brown eyes, but everyone thought she was Jewish because she had brown eyes. And so oh, some of these Blackstone family members back then were like, well, she's Jewish. We don't approve of the wedding. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's in my family history. Yeah. I feel a little bit like I need a shower, but um, OK, then. Yeah.
1: So if you if you're surrounded by the very diverse group of people, ask them about what they know about their histories.
0: Yes, yeah, it gets so much more interesting. It's also yeah. a great way to just build ties to people around you. They love people yes. being curious about their history. They're like nobody interested in this. But yes, I'm interested. Then yes. then they just open up. It's amazing when people open up.
1: It's it's actually a win-win situation.
0: It really is. Yeah.
1: Just ask them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go on because uh, because I uh, now I'm looking at the time. Oh um, yes, we're doing okay.
0: okay, but we need to move on. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> is this our wanna- next point right here? Shall I take it out or do you where, want- are you?
1: where are you? No, this is the the previous one.
0: Oh, the previous one. Yes. Oh yeah.
1: Okay, go for it. Yeah. Do we? Uh, shall I tackle that one? Tackle yeah. that one. Okay. So um. Also make sure that your character's main fight, and this is, like I said, this is something that we've discussed uh, uh, before as well, that their main fight isn't related to any of their identity markers because that too reduces them to like, this is their thing, right? So if you have a gay character and their story arc is about being gay and ha- struggling with that, you know, That's, that, yeah, that is, to you that- redu-
0: yeah. Yeah. To me, that leans towards an own voices story, which I know is a, a phrase not in vogue as much now, but like, that's a story. If the whole story is about being gay and what it means to be gay, that for me, I would say maybe someone who is actually gay, that's a story they <laughs> yeah. need to tell. Yes, maybe, maybe it's leave not it your sto- Yeah, maybe yeah. it's not
1: just a story to tell, yeah. Um, so that's another reason not to, not to go there. Um, but what I want to point out here is like, i don't want i'm not suggesting that you ignore any of their identity markers right especially not if they bring up tension in the context of your novel Mm -hmm. Uh, because first of all there really is no need to gloss over any struggles that this character would have uh, you know if not for a perfect world like struggles are real we we do like there is inequality we don't have to pretend That it's not. We don't have to pretend that if you're gay, for example, or if you're a Muslim, that that doesn't bring its challenges with it. Right. We really don't have to pretend that. Um, But also because our identity markers, they do influence the choices that we make, um, which can be really great for your plot, your, your story arc. But always balance that any any struggles that your characters might be dealing with because of who they are with any of their other struggles, right? Give them a character arc that is not related to who they are.
0: Exactly, they who they are, and what their what their challenges are are going to inform the plot. But yes, they have an arc, Absolutely. they have a story, they have a problems just like anybody else. And we do this for characters that are like vampires or characters that are detectives. We because of what they are and who they are in the plot or they're a fantasy creature, they always had these limitations or, you know, like, like if you're writing a vampire and vampires can't go out in the sun, then that's going to affect your plot. Yes. But very rarely do you see a story where not being able to go out in the sun is the whole point of the plot, the whole point of the, the book. Oh, I love that. I really, that is, that is such a, Yes,
1: thank you. That is such, no, because you're right, and it's 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 like um, it's like Twilight. Is the main story about Twilight is not that Edward can go in the sun, like he overcame that struggle for. Like that's not um, just because we talked about Twilight uh, before. <laughs> um, but but you're right. That's exactly it. It's yes. not about that, yes. right? It will it will. Definitely influence and it will limit them in certain ways, and it also will give them opportunities. Yes, right. It can also be a strength. Um but yeah, it's not but like they maybe there will be a children's book about a vampire that cannot go outside, right? But yes, any we, story
0: with any real death, but there will always be a reason why the vampire wants to go outside, and the book would yes, be more that's about true. that. Because, why does he just want to go outside? There's going to be a reason, a memory. We always give yeah. something more because it yeah. has to get back to those very human qualities of needs and wants. And it almost yes. always goes back to like the survival and the, the, the soul spirit level, um, or just the human psyche, whatever it, the terminology you have for the inner thing that gives us spark as entities and beings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm using entities and beings because yeah. so. You know, we could be writing about any number of weird and interesting types of characters that are human or not human.
1: Well, I mean, the vampires and the werewolves and the astral projections were already mentioned. So, but yeah, <laughs> I, I I love this point. I'm glad you brought were... up. Do you want to tackle this one? Because this one,
0: yeah, they all kind of go together. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll run through this and then you you uh you catch me if I forget something. So. Yeah. It it leads very naturally from the point we just make is um, if you're if you're trying to make sure that you're not writing a character as um, Mm -hmm. as a token, then uh, don't turn your characters into a spokesperson for their entire community. Um, Yeah, if you if you want to avoid it, make sure that they're individuals in their own right. So give them all the quirks, give them their own backgrounds. Um, just let them be a fully fleshed out a total person um yeah. and make them hate spaghetti make them love zucchini i don't know why anyone would love zucchini but if that's what their thing hey. is uh... <laughs> exactly um so um or brussels sprouts oh my gosh uh okay there is I love one... brussels sprouts there okay is... let's not go there <laughs> yeah see we're showing our we're full humans here yes um and don't forget the diversity within diversity of every community so let them be at odds with other people in their community or let them agree with them let them have different things going on um interests hobbies obsessions food like we just talked about weird quirks with their clothing um and I, I think we've kind of pounded this point home as just fully fleshed out characters. So I'm going to move on. Um. And
1: uh, probably somebody will have a drinking game by now asking, like checking how often we, like, every time we say fully fleshed character, they have to do a shot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that people.
0: All right. And uh, so going back to the question where he, he's ready, the, the author that asked the question is talking about a particular community. That he, I got the sense from the question that they felt there wouldn't be a lot of a natural diversity in it or that some things were going to be very diverse and other things wouldn't dig into that community again go back with adult eyes if this is a childhood community think about the time period and look around for the invisible diversity that sometimes gets glossed over especially if you were a child um, or glossed over because the community itself can't talk about it or didn't have words for it back then. Think about were there former soldiers, war survivors with injuries, amputees, people with PTSD, they might call it, you know, battle shock or shell shock back then. Um, Think about people who didn't know who their fathers were. Think about people who didn't have fathers anymore, orphans, children raised by aunts, uncles, or grandparents, children whose parents maybe had a drinking problem, alcoholics, uh, people who just had mental challenges. There's so much history in the last 60 years that have affected communities that seem very homogeneous in ways that we kind of just shoved to the side or didn't talk about or glossed over, or that's just the weird uncle or that aunt went crazy. Um, or people who are like really good at one job, but no one asked them to do anything else, neurodivergence um immigrants who came that has the same skin color but a few other things are different they may have like they may be lutheran but everyone else in the city or the little town is presbyterian um someone or someone who converted and they used to be a different religion there's going to be a bit of that layered in on some level you're going to be able to find it somewhere and it's going to be very natural for the time period and the history but sometimes you have to peel back the layers a little bit more to find it. And that is natural diversity within diversity. and layering that in is going to give you richer richness and natural diversity without feeling like you got to go and shove it in there. Yeah. Um, so like yeah. I said one more time, our neighborhoods can be very same or very normal for more children. So going back with the adult eyes can really open that up for us. Yeah. Um. And one last point along with this, uh, just give your characters meaningful roles in the plot and in their communities. Um, so if you're worried about someone being a token, if a token, yeah. Um. I always say that a little bit wrong. If you're worried about someone being a token, if they are integrated with the community and they have a presence and they have a function, then yeah. that makes them a piece of it. And that really helps to avoid it versus a character that walks on screen, looks a little bit different and walks off screen again, (laughs) and the whole world could go on without them. If they're integrated and the world needs them to function properly, then you've eliminated a lot of that risk as well. Yeah, because
1: that is like, for me, that is, if somebody does that, they are trying to just check the box yes right that is for me checking that it's just like oh oh we have okay so yeah we, we we have some black characters here okay we have we have somebody uh we we have somebody from eastern europe for example like oh, we have a jewish person um oh yeah we also got some muslims yeah i think we got oh oh and this person is gay um okay yeah, i
0: think we've got we've it we sung yeah. the song red and yellow black and white and we're good now <laughs> did yes. anyone grow up with that song red and yellow black and White"? Oh. No, because I, I did I, I did grow up with mostly Dutch songs. Oh, that's that's right. I'm yeah. not going to sing on the podcast. I have no idea how my mic would pick that up. And my sister is the singer, not me. Yes, um, we, we
1: established that.
0: <laughs> yes, we did. All right. So yeah. we have a couple more points here that I'm going to try to get through quickly because we do need to move on to the other parts of our podcast here. Um, this is going to be a little bit a meteor of an episode. Um, As Marielle said, a really good way not to check the uh, boxes is to make sure everyone has their own personalities and to not rely on shorthand. So we spent the last three episodes talking about marking the unmarked or marking the marked. So go back and listen to those three episodes for one. And two, things like writing, they were obviously European. Well, one, in a global readership like we have now, your reader may or may not have an accurate or a useful idea of what European means. Also, European is very diverse now. So actually, your character might say that if that's in their personality and part of their journey. But if you are in narrative voice, I would suggest trying to go a little bit farther, at least go to something like they were obviously Italian but yeah. if you can i would say it's even better to do something like dig into the description actual hair color actual facial features and just describe what's there to be seen if you need to go grab a photograph of what you're describing and describe it and then yeah. you end up with a richer more diverse picture of everyone yeah
1: but also like here right like if you if you see if you if you want to make sure that your reader understand that your reader understands that your POV person is seeing Italians or thinks they're Italians, make them overhear the language. Yeah. And just go, that that sounds, instead of saying they look Italian, say, it sounded Italian to my ears.
0: Yeah. Or you might hear them and be like, I think they're Italians, but that sounds like Arabic, and they come from somewhere else around the Mediterranean. Yes, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah um yeah so yes i i would definitely say dig into that dig into all the senses especially when you're you're introducing that different people's houses smell different depending on what they are cooking there's different scents walking down the streets there's different ornaments out there's different colors that different cultures like bring in all of the senses it's just good writing to start with and it will create a deeper richer world yeah 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 all right. Do you think yeah, we can get that?
1: Yes. Okay. So let's, gonna,
0: let's looking at letlock here. Yeah. So let's move on
1: to the next part because we, we did want to talk, especially well, it is around the holidays, right? This episode will air on the 17th of December um, and December is uh, a really heavy holiday month. Um, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the holidays because, well, first of all, there are so many of them. And this, you know, just for anybody who thinks that there's a war against Christmas, there is no war against Christmas. There is a war against excluding language, because the reason people start preferring Happy Holidays over Merry Christmas is because so many different communities celebrate something in December. And it's not always Christmas.
0: You want to like just list a handful of those? Because there were so many there are a many, yeah. So I just uh, well, I think
1: most people these days know about Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. I think those are becoming more well known.
0: There's okay. Saint
1: Nicholas, yeah. There's Saint Nicholas Day, which is one of the things they celebrate in the Netherlands, and we will talk about that uh, a little bit more further on. Um, we have you have Rohatsu or Bodhi Day. There is the feast day of a lady of Guadeloupe. There is a very this is a Hispanic one. Uh, I'm thinking we're pronouncing it as Posadas Nav- Navidenas, but I might be completely wrong. But that's also happening in December. And then, of course, for the witches and the pagans, um, there's solstice, solstice. Like, you, you celebrate solstice.
0: Yes, I actually, that is my big holiday for December. Yeah, I that probably should be my big holiday as well, but I'm not big on holidays generally.
1: So, um yeah i don't i don't i'm not a celebratory person in general which is something i should be working on
0: so i'll drag you into it yes yeah,
1: so we we want to start um actually from a talk that i recently um well how do you say that these days because everything's online so attended attended still yeah works. oh yeah because i'm like how like i did not attend it i was on my couch in my pajamas um So I I did attend uh, this talk uh, recently, which was organized by the U.S. Embassy in Nicosia here in Cyprus uh, with assistance from the European University of Cyprus and uh, Dr. Stephen Saxon from the uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He's an assistant professor who specializes in Native American literature, and he was invited to talk about the topic uh, Native American literature in contemporary anti-colonial resistance and what he mostly talked about, though, was Thanksgiving and storytelling, and that is why. Because I knew we had this episode come up, I was like, I really need to listen to this and get some really interesting pointers. And Doctor Saxon really delivered. Like, I've been looking at my own Dutch holiday from that perspective, mm-hmm. and we'll go a little bit into that. And yeah, it, it's really, it's it's really, it's it was really fruitful for me. To, All right. To, so
0: yeah. Let's dig into some of his points then. I missed it. I was not able to attend with my time zone and commitments. So walk me through it. Walk our audience through some of what hit you. Okay. So
1: what he says, I'm really curious how you feel about that. What he says that like Thanksgiving, and I would say, you know, any holiday is a story. It's a story about origin, mm. right? It's about how a community comes into being, Um so the question Dr. Saxon asked during his lecture that really struck me in particular was, how does the story make the world noble and inhabitable? And then he asked, so in relation to that, what kind of world, so he focused on Thanksgiving and I want to I, I wanna take it broader, but he, when focusing on Thanksgiving, he asked, what kind of world has been created through the story of Thanksgiving? What image? do you have around this holiday? And where did this image come from, right? He's like, those are important questions to ask when you really dug in, dig into a tradition like this. So I would personally add as questions, who does this particular image benefit, right? And who doesn't benefit from the image
0: that is created through that storytelling? I love the fact that he recognizes holidays are stories. Yes. Yes.
1: And origin stories. I never really thought about it like that.
0: Yeah. Origin stories or survival stories in certain cases. The culture survived this. But that's also an origin. Yeah. That's how we got,
1: maybe not originally origin, Mm -hmm. but more in a, you know, this is so, this is where we're starting from now. Yeah. Because we've been through this thing.
0: Yeah. So, this is
1: what our so we see a lot of values often embedded in them, hidden away in them.
0: Yeah. Right. And as writers, we often include holidays in our stories. Yeah. And thinking about what origin stories these holidays were including mean for our characters can be really interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah. Especially because there are so many. Yes. there's so many of them and I think it would be really great if we were more attentive to that when we write our stories and when we include those different characters that not everybody celebrates Christmas you know yeah Um, not everyone celebrates Thanksgiving anymore either yes yes because of you know obvious reasons Um, obvious to me anyway so so this is kind of what we want to Do a little bit here is like ask those questions because I think this, these questions can be asked of all holidays, right? Mm -hmm. We can like look at every holiday and just first of all realize that it is a story and stories do something. So Mm -hmm. ask yourself when you are writing about a certain holiday, ask yourself, okay, what does this holiday
0: do actually? Like, what am I putting into this story? And sometimes what's, we actually yeah. need to ask what the story is because sometimes we like wrote Celebrate Holidays and we forget yeah. what the story is or we don't even know. We're carrying on the values and we kind of had like the shorthand, but we don't even know. Yeah.
1: And I think there's a reason we do this shorthand because what's underneath it, like especially when you think about Thanksgiving, right? Like the actual story. That's what people are problematic like that's why people are problematizing Thanksgiving. Yeah, because of the actual story. So there is a reason that when you look at the way the story is told, the, the story you 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 are brought up with, um, there's a reason it's told in a specific way. So exactly. you know so who ben- like I said, like who benefits from this particular version of the story? and who isn't benefiting from this particular version of the story. Um, Um,
0: So are we gonna, you said you had an example and that you also had a couple more things that he was, uh, you said there was a certain way that the authors he studied talked about story or focused on story.
1: Yes, so that's just something really interesting to, to, for me, just to mention, and we'll dig into St. Nicholas Day. as as an example of of how you can look at this. So what Dr. Saxon also said, and it just kind of, I I found this really interesting, is that correcting stories and histories, right? Which is what we're doing now with things like Thanksgiving and we're doing it in the Netherlands with with St. Nicholas Day. He says that it's a start, it's a really important start, but it's not actually enough, right? Mm. Like just correcting them. So what he says is the reason why it's not enough is because focusing on the past and trying to correct it, that doesn't offer us any images of the present and for the present. It doesn't give anyone anything to relate to in this moment. So so because this was a question, actually, this was in response to a question by somebody who was attending uh, uh, the talk as well about why not more Native uh, American authors were dealing with the past, dealing with stuff like Thanksgiving in their novel writing, right? Mm-hmm. So Dr. Sexton, he argues that the reason why so many of them don't necessarily write about it is because they are much more concerned with what they can do now with and for the present. I like that. I just found just a really interesting. So he's not saying that we just, you know, that nobody needs to talk about the past. People definitely need to bring up those um, misunderstandings Mm -hmm. and, and, and the things that were swept under the rock, all of that. We need to know about them. But it's another thing to expect that just because people are Native American writers, right, that they have to write about, you know, being invaded and where Thanksgiving actually comes from. It's the same as demanding all um, African-American writers to talk about slavery.
0: These people, all of us, the, the the identities that we all have exist here and now, and they're going forward into the future. So yeah. we, we might talk about travelers and a lot of people think about the past of like gypsies and stuff running around um, Europe. But the fact of the matter is these are living people groups, We are living people groups and we all exist here. And what does that mean now? And often our stereotypes pigeonhole stories and ideas and traditions and holidays can contribute to this in the past. And we don't think about it as what are these groups doing now and how do all of these groups relate to each other now? I think Thanksgiving for me as an American made me think of uh, First Nation people, um, native americans as people groups that existed in the past and they stayed there and i wasn't really aware that these were people i was living with now and that they have an identity in the future so what does that mean now what does it look like now instead of always referring to indians and cowboys and indians helping the pilgrims like no we're all here yeah
1: Yeah, I like how you said that, that it gives you the sense of, but that was in the past.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so that, but and that, I think that's, yeah, I think, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. So I get that, right, and I just wanted to mention that, because it's, it's, it's not saying that we don't need to know these, 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 all these layers underneath this story that we're told, the story that we're seeing, right, that the popularized version of it. The, the celebration of it, um, but at the same time we cannot expect people to only engage with that, right? Mm-hmm. And also, like we do need we do need images of the present, exactly. and we need images for the future.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I'm gonna just push you a little bit because I'm watching the clock, and you you said you were gonna walk us through Saint Nicholas Day in the Netherlands, which is not something I know a lot about. Yeah, But I can do that very quickly. All right, I'm I actually personally want to learn about this because you've hinted you've given me pe- bits and pieces, but walk us through it because I think this is a great way of doing it. Um, not everyone in our audience is going to know about this story, so yeah, yeah. So,
1: St. Nicholas Day that is celebrated in more countries in a Dutch is called Sinterklaas, um, and it, it's it, the, the national holiday or the, the holidays on the 6th of December, but in the Netherlands it's celebrated on the evening of December 5th, which is when okay. all the kids get gifts that are left um, in a burlap sack outside of your house or in your hallway by um, people called black peats. Oh and there's also the chimney, right? like the gifts the, the gifts also arrive. Uh, for us it was at the back door because we didn't have a fireplace. But originally like we do the same the same as santa claus we have the chimney
0: okay so
1: saint nicholas in the netherlands Claus, he's a white man with a long beard he rides a white horse so and and he gives presents to children who have behaved well that's a very common story i would say okay so, so like the american santa claus yeah kind of yeah so Santa Claus lives in spain right that's oh. where he's from and every year his he comes to the netherlands with his big steamboat We have collectively forgotten that the saint is actually from Turkey. So Sinterklaas has been very whitewashed in the Dutch tradition, probably in another European tradition as well. Um, So the idea is that if you haven't behaved as a kid, you disappear into the burlap sack and you're taken back to Spain, right? Oh, that's That's very scary. That's the idea. Well, I mean, at one point you get to the age, you're like, yeah, yeah, take me. Um, Right, that's, see, that's every kid gets the age. It's like you know that it would, like I don't have to walk away. I'm just
0: waiting for Santa Claus to take me back to Spain. Right,
1: because that's going to be so much more. See, fun.
0: here, the worst we got is you got coal in your stocking from Santa Claus. Or in, in, in the darkest I heard was that he would leave a stick behind for your parents to beat you with. Oh no, we have black
1: peats. Santa Claus has helpers. They are called black peats. And they have I wouldn't know the ink, no, kind of like a a collection of like a collection of twigs, uh-huh. and they could beat you with that. That's Ooh. like what all the songs are about, right? So Santa had helpers, black beets, um, but usually they just hand children treats and they're up to okay. silly things and they make fun because because Santa is like this very wise man, serious serious white man, and the black beets helpers they're like jolly folk. Um, okay. So there's, there's a number of reasons why the story is controversial. One of them being that Sinterklaas is actually from Turkey, St. Nicholas. Um, but today's debate focuses mostly on the fact that, and I don't want to look at your face right now, but the celebration includes white people in blackface. Okay. Which is... My face Amer- is
0: fine. I've, I've definitely... Okay, but it, I this. mean, if you're American, you
1: understand that this is a no-go, right? Yeah. So. Today's story goes that these people are chimney sweeps and they're just covered in soot, right? Uh, or suit, But none of the traditional figures, like the Black Peats, they look anything close to actual chimney sweeps, right? If you've watched uh, Mary Poppins. They, I they was about to like, say
0: that. Yes. No. Also, <laughs> the mother f- in me is like, just go take a bath. Come on. Here's yes, a scrub no, brush. Was,
1: there is a song. I was looking up songs and he says to the child, don't be afraid of me. I might look black as suit." So they never said it was suit, yeah. right? But the whole the whole thing now, the whole debate in the Netherlands is you have people who say it's racist, we need to get rid of it. And there's people saying, but it's just a harmless children's thing and they're actually covered in suit. No, it's even in the wording. It's not suit. They're black ass suit. That's different. Yeah. But yeah, their faces are entirely black or dark brown. They wear black gloves and black tights. So there's no white skin showing. Their lips are painted a very bright red and they wear wigs of curly black hair and really colorful clothes. A bit like gestures. Like poor gestures, right? So um, if you look a little bit into the history, Mm -hmm. so the story that's being told, right? In his first depictions around the 1850s, Black Pete was a servant. He was a black guy serving Santa Claus, right? He was not a chimney sweep. And you have the same in songs. There's even songs, very old songs, and the songs have been changed recently to get rid of some of the problematic language. But there were some older songs from around the 1930s, 40s, in which there is a reference to a ball and chain. Okay. So that is, for me, that's a slavery reference, right?
0: Yeah, that definitely yeah. reminds me of the slave trade, which the Dutch were involved in.
1: Very much so, which they've denied for a very long time, uh, which also makes this a very problematic tradition because it fits in the denial of this very problematic history that the Dutch have and are really struggling to come to terms with. So, for the Dutch, Sinterklaas has been the main holiday, right? Like nowadays, Christmas is celebrated much more. But when I was younger, I was the only kid who had Sinterklaas and Christmas because my dad really didn't care about Santa Sinterklaas. My dad's from Scotland. So he, he was sad. It. Yeah, so he was sad on doing Christmas. And it took me ages before I realized that I was the only one who got both traditions, right? I thought every kid got gifts on the 5th of December and on the 26th. December was a great month for you. Yes. And I always have one of my best friends. Her birthday is on the 8th of December. And I always felt so bad for her. Um, And then I was like, well, okay, so I get gifts twice, she gets gifts twice, maybe it's, maybe it's fine, right? (laughs) Um, So, right now, so nowadays, this story has been much more controversial, right? It has always been, it it, it has always been a cause for discussion, like there's there's always been people trying to problematize it, but that was kind of kept small. Uh, But like, I think it's also because these days we do have social media. uh, So it is easier to bring things into the open. But by now, like even the UN has -hmm. denounced the tradition and they've been urging the Netherlands to stop the betrayal of Black Pete for the past six years and things are changing, right? Like it's, it's, it's the image is almost entirely gone. Like these days they're actually covered in suit. Oh, there's still a lot of black wigs going on, right? There's still the, the, still the colorful clothes, which I'm not happy with at all. Um, But they, it is changing, right? So when I look at those questions, right, that Dr. Saxton asked in his talk, uh, and I never really thought about what kind of stories Sinterklaas tells us. So this is just really a short example to show how you can look at your own histories and your holidays and and and, and what they do,
0: and even our fairy tales. We have so many oh yes fairy tale retellings. Yes, and they're amazing because fairy tale fairy telling fairy tale retellings. Yes, yeah, a great word. And yeah. holiday tradition retellings allow us to reinvent and reexamine these stories and choose as a community, as a society, as a culture, what we're going to take forward, what we need to replace, what was valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So so what
1: I see when I look at this this now, right, from my, because everybody's, everybody's assuming that I, my whole family, right, this is not a thing I can discuss within my family because I'm the only person who was like why don't we just get rid of the entire tradition or at least get rid of the entire pete creature right mm-hmm. like that is like i'm the only person it's not something we can talk about uh, so it's really it, it, and it has divided lots of families it's, it's a very generational thing as well um i am sure you can imagine so when i look at this story what i see is that there is this idea of this white man and he's like benevolent, uh, he's wise, but he's also a natural leader of black people. It's very normal that he is the master of the house and that he has servants, right? That's how um that's how he was portrayed in that 1850 book. That yeah. that that um so Sinterklaas Class is always elevated, like literally, because he's seated on this giant white horse. And his peats are always on the ground doing the work. They don't have horses. They don't have horses. No, they walk around. They carry those burlap sacks with all the treats in them. Uh, they give, they're give. the ones who are doing the gifts. They're the ones who go down the chimney. That's where the chimney sweep thing is coming from to bring the gifts. They're the ones sneaking around, listening in to see whether you've been good. Got right? it. They're the ones doing all the work, Right. But how do they feel about the work? Well, they're always having real great fun. They're very jolly characters, right? They're laughing, they're joking, they're jesting with each other, they're being silly. So everyone is having this amazing time. That's the story that we're told. These people are glad to be doing the work for the white man. Got it. Yes. So, Now, and I just realized this today, as I was digging into this a bit more, that that already is a very particular story to tell, right? That they're very happy and excited, almost grateful to be part of this great team working for the white man. But today I realized that this book from the 1850s, which is like the first book in which Sinterklaas was depicted with a black person as a servant, it was created around a time in which, well, people were general, generally criticizing colonization, right? Um, that was just 1850. So that was, for, in, in the Dutch context, it was 13 years before uh, slavery was abolished in Suriname and the Dutch Antilles, which were two very important colonies, right? So things were happening in terms of empire.
0: And if he- So I'm doing a little bit of math and that's like only 170 years ago. Exactly. And a few, only a few years
1: after this particular book came out, with, which tells the story of this you know, master of the house with his black servants, um, a novel came out that was really critical about how the Dutch run their empire. Mm. So all the things, the, all the mistreatment of the people in the colonies.
0: Which the Dutch Empire was in quite a few places. I'm not an expert on exactly, but I know the Dutch Empire was in Africa, and where else was the Dutch Empire? Because it was a seafaring empire. Yes, yeah, so most it was mostly known for the West Indies and the East Indies. Okay,
1: that was like that's that's so Suriname and the Dutch Antilles on the one side, and then we have um, what is these days Indonesia.
0: Okay. I was looking for a modern uh name so that people could latch on to that. We should put the name of that book, if we can, in the show notes if people want to go back and look at the history of this novel that's critical and this uh book that depicts um yes. Oh, I will write that down because I will forget. Add links.
1: (laughs) We're gonna forget it's my new keyboard. It's my new keyboard, it's very noisy. Um so yeah, so right. so so it's for me like just when you when you think about these things, it's it's not just the story that it's telling, but it comes at a time in which these facts, right? The white man as a natural leader, right? That that's like the, the the natural hierarchy, right? You have white men, white women, black men, black women.
0: That's kind of the hierarchy that run the empire, and this this conversation, this, to be honest, struggle and even fight is playing out in literature. And we are still part of that today in literature as we write. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not done with that. We're We're not done with it. And when we sit down and write, we can't always be thinking, oh, I'm part of this, you know, political conversation that's going to be, people are going to be looking at my book years from now. We can't always think about that. But definitely when we go back and edit, we're going to think about it a little bit. Yeah. All right. So we are way over our normal period of time. So we should probably um, talk about season two real quick. Let everyone know when we're um, coming back. So this is coming out on December 17th and we will be back January 14th, 2022. Yes. And we will be
1: focusing the entire season on race and ethnicity. Yes. Yes. So this is the season. So we feel like the first season was like us laying the groundwork so that we're all, exactly. we are all know what we're talking about now. Um, and then in the next seasons, we are going to actually dig in, look at the tropes, stereotypes, the cliches that are there. We're going to look into the better practices that we can find online and we're going to share them with you.
0: And we're going to break it down by by groups as much as we can. I mean, we cannot do every <laughs> single ethnicity and culture on the planet, but we're we're gonna break it down to usable pieces and give yes. enough that people can do their own research further and just have a place to start because it can be so scary for for you to start in something really unfamiliar. And we just want to take that first step and get you moving. And if you listen to multiple ones, even if you're not writing them, you're just going to start to understand how this works. And it's going to become much more natural to you as a writer. As you listen from one to the next, you're going to realize some things are the same group to group. There's certain things that come up again and again, certain things to think about. And we're just certain questions to
1: ask. Yeah,
0: yeah, we're going to just break that down group by group. So each episode will definitely be different, but there'll be a lot of themes as well.
1: I, yeah, I expect so. I mean, you, I mean, we can't promise that because we haven't actually started the research yet.
0: I mean, we've well, got- A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like, come on, you've been in this, we've both been in this sphere for years. We're going to sit down and be like, yeah, oh, I was talking to someone. Anyway, it, it, yeah. it it's there. It's me again with my time. My, my, my
1: There's not enough time to do all the things I want to do.
0: <laughs> We're going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. All right. So I am looking 14th, forward to it. Yes. And we will also, as we said earlier, this will be our first season with interviewees. So we will be bringing people on to talk um, who have uh, different experiences, different lived experiences and writing experiences. And we're going to be doubling down on the community aspect of this podcast. Yes. that is so the plan. we ask that you share this Tell your friends, get involved, like us on Facebook, leave a review. That would be amazing.
1: Yes, that would absolutely be amazing. Yeah. And
0: um, follow, like, subscribe, whatever your app does. And um, we're really talk excited. To- talk about us on TikTok. Yes, talk about us on TikTok.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That's the place one needs to be these days.
0: I haven't figured out how to make TikTok videos. So if you can... Someone wants to do that before I get there.
1: (laughs) Please do. We want to wish you all happy holidays, whatever you're celebrating, and in what whichever way you are celebrating that, because we also know that there's diversity within that.
0: Yes. That's probably another drinking game by now. Exactly. And happy new year, because we pretty much all have that coming up.
1: Not all of us, but a lot of us.
0: A lot of us. Yes. Already. it's a twenty twenty. Did you say twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? I we're gonna pretend I said twenty twenty one, and it's about to be twenty twenty two, and it will be March of twenty twenty two before I remember that. Okay, I will talk to you soon, and will, we
1: hope to have you all back in a month. Exactly. Take care, everyone. Bye. Hi, everyone, Mariella here. If you're ready to write that book you've always wanted to write, but you just don't know where or how to begin, my intensive three-month one-on-one coaching for writers program is for you. During the program, we'll figure out why you're not where you want to be, what your needs and goals are, and what kind of writing habit fits your life best. Depending on the tier you choose, you get at least three 60-minute coaching calls, two email check-ins per week, weekly worksheets to help you set, plan, track, and reflect on your goals, and personalized prompts and exercises that will help you dig deep to get out of your own way. Starting dates are the 10th of January, the 7th of February, and the 7th of March. Go to mswordsmith.nl slash coachingforwriters2022 for more information and to enroll. Thank you for listening. Music for this show was written and produced by Eric Mills. If you want to join the conversation, fill out our writer and reader questionnaires. Both can be found in the show notes and on our website, representationmatters.art. That's dot A-R-T. If you want to be the first to hear when a new episode comes out, sign up to our newsletter. And if you found this helpful, Please rate and review on your favorite podcast app to help other writers find us too.